Well, how are you doing today? You guys with me today? You ready to go? Uh, it's good to see you here. Uh, I do want to welcome, if you're here for the first time, and it seems like we're in a season right now where we, God's bringing a lot of new people, and so if you are here for the first time, we're really glad you're here. We hope you enjoy your time with us, and more importantly, that God, God meets you in a, a significant way. And uh, so we're going to go into our time of teaching. We do this every week at this time, and inside your program is a green and white note sheet that will help you follow along, and so I encourage you to take that out, and then if you guys are all set and ready to go, uh, I'm, I'm ready to jump in. You guys ready? All right, let's pray. God, we're excited to be here and to be uh, sitting really at your feet and, and having your spirit uh, guide us and teach us. And we just acknowledge that you are our teacher and that unless you open our eyes to spiritual truth, we can't really see it, we can't grasp it, we can get it mentally, but not really in, in our heart and uh, spiritually. And so we pray that today you'd come and be our teacher. We pray that you would meet with us, unpack your word, teach us what it looks like to follow as we talk about this important teaching you're giving today about the costs and rewards of following you. We pray it in your name. Amen. Well, today we are continuing this series that we've been in now for five, six weeks, whatever it's been, called Jesus, uh, the Call to Follow. And for those of you who are new, this is actually uh, it's the second of a three-part longer series on the life and teaching of Jesus as seen through the eyes of one of the leaders of the early church, his name was Mark. Uh, Mark was a close personal friend of the Apostle Peter. He was his interpreter, uh, his assistant. And so towards the end of Peter's life, about 30, 35 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, Mark is putting together uh, Peter's memoirs of his firsthand experience of the life and teaching of Jesus. And so today we come to a passage where the topic on the table is uh, the cost of following Jesus versus the rewards of following Jesus. And so uh, what's going to happen? To set this up, uh, we need to go back to last week. Now, how many of you were here last week? Can you raise your hands? Okay, great. We're getting a picture of all those who weren't. Um, uh, anyway, uh, if, you were here, if you were here last week, uh, yeah, snap it quickly, guys. Uh, that uh, if you're here last week, uh, you know that there was this, this, this amazing encounter, it's really a remarkable encounter, between Jesus and this, this young man who's uh, a wealthy uh, Jewish leader, bright guy. Uh, he comes to Jesus, from what we know, he's, he's a sharp guy, he's got a heart for God, uh, he's kind of been pursuing God throughout his life, but there's something about Jesus that has, has attracted him, so he's coming to Jesus, and he's asking him this, this question, it's really the most important question that any of us could ever ask, and the question is, what does it take to be part of the next life? Like, what do I need to, to be part of your kingdom, eternal life? And so Jesus does a little interview with him to find out his background, and then uh, he says, you know what, there's one thing you lack. I, I, I get it, you've been pursuing God, you've been following God's word and so on, but there's one thing you lack. And so Jesus throws out something that he needs to do that's the only time of all of scripture that Jesus asks someone to do this, as far as we know, but he says, uh, I want you to go home and I want you to liquidate your portfolio. And so remember, he's a very wealthy guy. And so, so what, you know, Jesus said, hey, go home, you got to sell the Beamer. Um, you know, call your real estate agent, uh, put your house in the gated community, put it up on the market, uh, get the garage shell going, sell the ski dues. You never use them anyway. Uh, you, you know, so just kind of liquidate, uh, stock, you know, call your stockbroker, uh, kind of, you know, cash out stocks, bonds, you know, use, you know, exercise your options on your futures, whatever. And, and so uh, cash it out, take it to the local homeless shelter or whatever, uh, and, then, and then come and catch up, follow me, and you're, you're going to learn from me, and I'm going to teach you the path to life. I'm going to teach you eternal life. So as you remember, uh, Jesus loves this, this kid. Uh, his heart goes out to him, but, but the kid kind of does the math, and, and he's like, weighs the cost 
uh, he weighs the reward, and he decides, just, I don't think it's worth it. So he's kind of heartbroken, but he walks away. And, and so this leads to a conversation between Jesus and his disciples later in the day, which often happens with Jesus. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, he does something publicly, and then it leads to a private, more intense conversation with his men later on. We've seen that all through Mark. So, so later on, it leads to a conversation between Jesus and his men about the cost of following Jesus versus the rewards of following Jesus. And it's just some really powerful teaching uh, on, on that it's really helpful for us as followers of Jesus to understand what, what it means to follow Jesus, how that works, what we can expect. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to uh, Mark chapter 10. If you've got your apps, go ahead and turn those on. There on your note sheet, there's a section called The Big Question, uh, What's in it for us? And so what's going to happen is that, uh, that later in the day, they're having this conversation. Of course, Peter's been there, right? Peter's heard this conversation with this young, uh, influential Jewish leader. Jesus says, leave everything uh, and follow me, sell it all. And so Peter's kind of uh, running the streets like, hey, wait a second, uh, we, we've done that. I mean, we, we've kind of, that's what we've done. Like, we've left everything. Like, we've left our homes, and we've left our families, and we've left our careers. And, and so w- what he wants to ask Jesus is, so what's in it for us? That's kind of funny, because I think if I were there, I honestly would be getting very nervous for Peter. Because this is not, this doesn't seem like the kind of question that you want to ask Jesus, right? Like, hey, Jesus, um, you just told him he needs to leave everything to follow you for eternal life. And so we've done that. So uh, what's in it for us, right? Like, that's not exactly, you kind of expect Jesus to go, hey, you should, that's a wrong question. You know, just, I mean, you should be doing this because it's, because you love God, or you do it because it's the right thing, or, you know, whatever. But you kind of, it's one of those times where if you're standing next to Peter, you're like really glad he asked it. But you're really glad it wasn't you. Like, you're ready for Peter to step in it again, you know? Like, the last time was, Jesus, no, don't go, to, don't go executed. Remember, Jesus like, get out of my way, Satan. You know, it was a bad day, right? So Peter's got this history of asking or saying what everyone else is thinking uh, and then getting in trouble. And so you're kind of expecting Jesus to blast him here. You're kind of expecting him to go like, Peter, are you serious? What's in it for you? After all I've done for you, or what kind of attitude is that? But Jesus doesn't do that. It doesn't even phase him. He's just like, yeah, great question. Let me tell you. Like, so I like this. So we go, Mark chapter 10. So, so Peter asks him in verse 28, he says, hey, Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. And so uh, subtitle is, so what's in it for us? And so Jesus says, hey, well, glad you asked. I'll tell you the truth. And Whenever Jesus says, I tell you the truth, uh, always pay attention, because in the Greek, it's this word, amen, like we end our prayers, amen, and it's always signaling that something important is about to be said, and so he says, I tell you the truth, um, no one, and catch that, so no exceptions, who has left home, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children or fields for me in the gospel. Uh, and that's basically what Peter and his buddies had done. They, they'd left their home, left their families, left their careers to travel with him. He says, no one who's done that will fail to receive, what does it say next? A hundred times. Can we say it again? A hundred 
times. One more time. A hundred times. I, I don't want you to miss that. This is pretty powerful. No one who leaves these things will fail to receive a hundred times as much. And then catch this, in the what? In the present age. Can we say that? In the what? Present age. He's not talking about next life. He's talking about now. And then he goes on to enumerate, same things, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them, persecution. So Jesus is always a straight shooter. He's been very clear from day one that if you follow me, that there's going to be a price to pay. Remember the very first week of this series, back in chapter 8, called Follow. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you need to be willing to die. And so he's, he's, he's not changing that tune. That, but what he's saying is that in addition to that, Whatever you leave for my sake, sake of my kingdom, for the sake of the gospel, to, uh, if, if, you know, if, if following me causes you to lose something, he says that you will receive a hundred times, be a hundred times payout. And so, then he goes on, he says, and in the, ne- in the age to come, uh, eternal life. So in the next life, you will get what the rich young ruler was asking for, eternal life, kingdom of God. He says, but many who are first, like this rich young ruler, they're kind of the leaders in the community, highly respected, wealthy, powerful, influential. He says, many who are first will be last, and the last first. In other words, in the next life, I like to call this the great reversal. That many things that are valued here are not valued there. Things that are valued there are different than here. And so many people who are at the top of the heap here will be at the bottom of the heap there. There'll be a great reversal. And so just so as you evaluate what's up, what's down, just remember that what's the first will be last, the last will be first. Okay? So, so, so this teaching of Jesus on cost and rewards. Uh, Peter asks him the question, hey, what's in it for us? Jesus says, let me tell you what's in it for you. And at least this great discussion about cost and rewards of following Jesus. And so what I want to do today is from this passage, I want to break it down, and I want to highlight three important principles that flow out of this teaching of Jesus, and then come back at the end, and then ask a couple kind of pointed questions to see how we're doing with this. And so there in your note, sheet's a section called, The Promise of Rewards, A Surprising Paradigm. And so uh, each of these three statements, these principles, are going to start with the words, if you follow Jesus. You notice that phrase at the top. And so here we go. The first one that jumps out is that if you follow Jesus, according to Jesus, there are things you have to leave. Okay, so we see this all through the teaching of Jesus. If you're going to follow me, he says, you're gonna, you're gonna, something you have to leave. Now, sometimes this happens at the beginning of our Christian journey, that when a person comes to Christ, that usually there's certain things that right away Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, this has to go. There's certain things you have to leave, okay? But, but this is going to continue throughout our Christian life, that if you follow Jesus, there are times where there are things you're going to have to leave. And sometimes they're good things, sometimes they're bad things, uh, sometimes they're neutral things, right? So, so sometimes it's going to be clearly evil things. Like when you came to Jesus, if you're a heavy partier, uh, you're going to have to stop that. If you're, going to, you're smoking weed, Jesus is probably going to talk about that. You're going to stop smoking weed. You're going to start to stop getting drunk, stop going out and get high. Then we're going to stop that. Uh, if you're, you're a person, you've been sleeping around, kind of promiscuous, you're living with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you're not married, whatever, Jesus is going to start talking about that. There's going to be certain things, and remember this, that sin by, 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 uh, by definition is destructive. 
So when, whenever God says don't do something, it's never an arbitrary religious rule to keep us in line. It's, it's always just a, it's a definite, this is destructive, don't do this, okay? It's a violation of the law of love. It's a, a love of God or a love of people, and so don't do this. And so when we come to Jesus, hey, I used to run an auto shop. I'd rip people off. I'd pad the bill. That's, you're going to have to leave that. Uh, I, I used to uh, hold grudges against people, and I was known for my, my bitterness and revenge. Well, you're going to have to leave that. I used to be known for my, my pride and my anger. Well, we're going to have to leave that. And so when you come to Jesus, there are certain things on the bad side of the ledger you're going to have to leave. But Jesus says that as you come and follow me, there's times you're going to have to leave good things too, or things that are morally neutral or even good things. And so he says this here in chapter 10 and verse 29. Let's just, let's just pick it up real quick. He says, I tell you the truth. Jesus said, no one who has what? Left. Let's say it. No one who has what? Left. So he's assuming that as you follow him throughout the course of your life, it starts when we first come to Jesus, but throughout our life, there's going to be attitudes, there's going to be actions, there's going to be perspectives, there's going to be hobbies, there's going to be relationships, there's going to be uh, financial things. There's going to be things that, that Jesus is going to come and say, hey, I, I need you for the sake of my kingdom, for the sake of your growth, I need you to leave this. All right? That's the first thing I want you to catch. Secondly, the second principle that flows out of this is that if we follow Jesus, there are things that we will receive. So Jesus says that, that when you follow me, yes, you will have to leave things, but, but, but my promise is that if you will leave them, that I will reward you. I will, you know, certain things you will receive. And so, for example, if you look at verse 30, he says, uh, that if you leave those things, it says, verse 30, you'll, that you will not fail to what? Receive a hundred times as much. So, so Jesus is saying, hey, you follow me, there's going things you have to leave, but when you do that, you're going to receive certain things. And so this raises this whole issue of rewards, all right? Kind of a cost-reward analysis. There's a cost for following there's a reward for following. Now, here's been my observation as I've pastored now for a really long time, that in our culture, American Christianity, I'm not sure exactly why, but we have a, uh, we have a resistance to this concept of rewards. Now, anytime I teach on this or anything I talk about it, the idea is that, hey, we should do the right thing because it's the right thing. I shouldn't have to do it because I'm going to get rewarded for it. Like, I, I shouldn't have to, God shouldn't have to reward me for anything. I should just do it because I love God or because it's the right thing to do, right? And it runs really deep. It runs really, it's almost like, yeah, that's not a good reason to do things. Like, if, you have to, if you're doing it for the reward, that's a bad thing. The only problem with that is that Jesus completely disagrees, because if you study the teaching of Jesus, he talks about rewards all the time. He's constantly saying, hey, if you do the right thing for the right reason, God's going to reward you. Therefore, do the right thing. Constantly. Like, let me give you just an example. One of the most famous teachings of Jesus, it's, it's the most famous sermon in the history of the world, is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew 5 through 7. And in that passage, Jesus is laying out the message of his movement. It's the most concentrated, lengthy teaching of Jesus we have. It's the most famous teaching of Jesus. And in that three chapters, Jesus talks about rewards nine times. And so let me give you an example. Like in chapter 6, 
Jesus is talking about what we call the three pillars of Judaism. So in his day, if you were a righteous man or a woman, there was kind of three things you were expected to do. Uh, Number one was fast. Number two was pray. And number three was give to the poor. Those were called the three pillars. Of, and so Jesus comes along. He says, yeah, those are good things. And he, he says, my followers, you should do those things. He says, but when you do them, it's important you do the right things for the right reasons. He says, well, so when you fast or when you pray or when you give, don't do it to impress people. So if you're doing it to impress people, that's the only reward you're going to get. You're doing the right things for the wrong reasons. You're, you're going to impress people. That's what you're after. That's the reward. He says, but if you, if you do the right things for the right reasons, then God will reward you. Okay? So, so, so let's take a look at this. They're in your note sheet. From Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. And he's talking about uh, these kind of spiritual disciplines. Uh, before men to be seen by them. Because if you do, you will have no what? Reward. Now circle that. We're going to circle all the rewards. Even for those of you who don't write in your Bible, you can write on a note sheet. All right. So if you do, you'll have no reward if you're following him. So, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their what? Reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. So catch this. Jesus says, when you do the right thing for the right reason, your Father will reward you. Now here's what I want you to catch. All through the teaching of Jesus. This is like a golden thread. It just runs all through. And sometimes he uses the word reward Sometimes he doesn't use the word reward, but the concept of cost-reward is always there. Um, So, for example, you move on in chapter uh, 6, and now he talks about prayer. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen, and your Father who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. There it is. Uh, Next the next one about fasting. When you fast, he says, put oil on your head and watch your face. When you fast, don't go around moping, right? Like, look, don't, don't go around like, oh, what's wrong with you? I'm fasting. You know, it's like, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, I wish I could. What are you having? It's pizza. Oh, gosh, wish I could. But, you know, I just can't. I'm fasting. Really, do you fast much? Yes, I do. Every Tuesday and Friday, I fast. And it's just like, it's just what I do for God. And I don't know. It's just a hard thing. I wish I could eat. But do you ever fast? No, you don't. Oh, yeah, I didn't think so. Um, so um, I could just tell, taking a look at you. But uh, anyway, uh, he says, so when you fast, um, Put, put oil on your head, wash your face, uh, just be normal, in other words, so that it will, it will not be obvious to me when you're fasting, but only your father who's unseen, and when your father who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. And so, so all through the teaching of Jesus. So, for example, even in this, this uh, scene that we have today with the rich, young uh, Jewish leader, uh, I want you to look what Jesus says to him. He comes and says, what does it take for eternal life? Jesus says, for you, you need to go sell everything. But I want you to notice how he says it, okay, how and why he says it. Look at Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 10 and verse 21. So Mark 20, uh, this is what Jesus, Jesus looks at him, he loves him, just really cares about this young man. He says, one thing you lack, he says, go and sell everything you have. In other words, go sell your treasures. Remember, he's a wealthy guy, right? So go sell everything you have and give to the poor and then you will have what? Treasure in heaven. Do you see the trade-off? 
He says, go and sell the treasure that you have on earth so you will have treasure in heaven. Now, of course, this is exactly what he said in Matthew chapter uh, uh, 5 or 6 where he says, um, he says, you know, uh, he says, don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. And so, but what I want you to catch is this concept of doing the right thing for the right reason and you'll be rewarded for it, whether it's the word reward or not in it, it's the concept is constantly there in the teaching of Jesus. Now, uh, one thing that we'll, we'll talk more about this later, but Jesus doesn't always spell out what those rewards will be, right? I, I think we need to say right at the outset here that the most valuable things in life typically aren't physical, right? Like, like as Americans kind of very uh, materialistic culture, when we think reward, we tend to think money and stuff. But if you stop and think about it, the most important things in life are not usually physical. Uh, for example, like what price tag would you put on being there when your baby is born? This would be more for the men because the women are obviously there. But, uh, <laughs> but like what price tag would you put on having a healthy child? Like, what, what, how, how should we pay for that? Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, the, no show of hands. Uh, how much would you pay for a great marriage? Like, I want some guy, like, go ahead. I give everything. You know, like, like what? I thought we... Um, uh, yeah, how, okay. How, if I said to you, hey, I could show you uh, how to have a life that's full of passion, a life that is a uh, deep sense of purpose and meaning and fulfillment, a life where you, are, you, 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 have, you love and you are loved and there is joy uh, and there is peace in your life and you are just happy. Like, like how much would you pay for that? You see, see so it's important as we, we enter in this discussion about rewards that we don't just think in terms of like financial or physical rewards. We gotta expand our vision a little bit. Most important things in life aren't that way. But what I want you to catch is that Jesus is very clear. He's big on rewards. And here's what I also want you to catch. It's not just Jesus. This runs through the whole Bible. Like for example, um, there's a passage in Hebrews 11. It's a very famous passage. It's called the faith chapter. And, and so what's going on there is the author is, is kind of a writing to these Jewish believers, and he's saying, hey, you need to follow Jesus. I know it's hard right now, but you need to keep your eye on the goal. And he says, listen, throughout, throughout Jewish history, God has always led his people by faith. And, you, and it's always, we, we just admire these people who've gone before us, the Abrahams and the Moses and the Davids, who've lived lives of faith. And so he, he, he kind of, at the beginning of the chapter, lays out what faith looks like. And then the whole chapter is just reciting of Jewish history all these heroes of the faith, men and women who've gone before and trusted God and how, how it worked out for them, okay? And so right at the beginning of that, though, he makes this very powerful statement. It's there in your note sheet, Hebrews chapter 11. It says, uh, without faith, he's going to teach them about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe two things. First of all, that he exists. You have to believe that God exists. But secondly, that he what? Rewards. Can we circle that? The second thing you need to believe is he, you need to believe that when you go to God, you're going to follow God, you need to believe that he's going to reward those who are earnestly seek him. And so throughout the Bible, this, this, this concept of cost and reward is all the way through. 
Now, here's the funny thing. We understand this in life. Like life, every day, every week, it's about costs and rewards. It's all about this. This is why as parents, you tell your kids, study hard, get good grades, so that someday you can get a good what? Job. Right? We understand that, hey, you've got to pray, you have to pay the price of self-discipline. You have to learn. You're going to have to put away the video games sometimes. You're not to always go out every night. You can't always be on Facebook. You're going to have to pay the price now for the reward that will come later. We understand this. When a couple gets married, one of their vows is they will forsake all others. Right? That's part of the cost of having a great marriage. We, we get that. If you want to have a great marriage, you're going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to invest to have a great marriage. There's a cost, there's a reward. If I'm counseling with a young couple that are in financial trouble, and I'll tell them, listen, I want you to go to the Financial Peace University, and I want you to take this course, and you're going to have to learn to say no to yourself now and start spending less than you're making so you can say yes to yourself later. Right? There's, a, there's a cost, and, and so... All of life is about cost and reward. But the funny thing is, as Christ followers, we somehow forget this when it comes to spiritual life. And I think the reason we often forget it is because at the heart of our faith is this core important teaching that's so critical that we're not saved by our works, we're saved by grace. And so we've just hammered on this so much that we're saved not by what we do, but by what God has done. That salvation is a free gift, which is all true. We've hammered on it so much, we've missed what the Word says time and time again. That if you want to grow, you want to experience the life that God has for you, you want to be transformed, there's a cost-reward. There's a cost-reward. And so Jesus says, hey, as you follow me, there's certain things you have to leave. But I promise you, if you leave those things, there are certain things you'll receive. And that leads to the third principle. And the third principle goes like this, that the trade-off, there's this trade-off between what you leave and what you receive, the trade-off will pay off big time. Jesus says not, not only are there things that you're going to leave and things you're going to receive, but, he said, but, the, but the payoff, the trade-off, it's huge. In fact, he says it's 100 to 1 odds. Now, uh, no show of hands, but if you've ever been to the tracks to bet on horses, the person who's most excited is the person who's got the tickets paying off 101 odds, right? They're the ones screaming and hollering, right? Because it's a long shot. This never should have worked, and yet, and they just put down, they just put down a hundred bucks, and only got a hundred, hundred bucks, or whatever the thing is, Right? It's like huge. And what I want you to catch is, this, is what Jesus says. He says, if, I want you to trust me. If you will leave what I ask you to leave, it will always pay off at 101 odds. And so I, I want us to see this again because I want to drill this in. Uh, if you look at verse 30, he says in verse 21, no one who's left these things, verse 30, will fail to receive what? 
a hundred times. Let's say it again. Give you the rest of you a chance to find your Bibles. Uh, verse 30, uh, this, we're in November here, and uh, we're at church. Rocky Peak, welcome. Uh, chapter 10, verse 30. Are we all there now? Good. Okay, so, so no one will fail to receive what? A hundred times. Now, I want you to think about that. Either Jesus is blowing smoke, or it's just true. There's no middle ground. Jesus is making quite the claim. He's saying, like, if I ask you to leave something, and you do it, it's going to pay off, 101 odds. Now, it doesn't say exactly what that payoff's going to be, right? We talked about rewards, how rewards aren't always physical. They aren't always financial. Sometimes they are. Um, as I've kind of gone through life, as I talk with believers, look at the rest of Scripture, you can see some of those. Sometimes the reward for leaving is a new level of relationship with God. That's only, that, that often, when, when, when God asks you to leave something, it often leads to a new time of spiritual relationship with God that blows your mind. That's just like totally worth it. Right? This happens when we first come to Jesus, but it happens throughout our life. That, that you leave this thing, and sometimes like all of a sudden God's presence comes closer. Uh, you can hear his voice. You have a sense of his leading in your life, a sense of his power in your life. And so it's like, would you, would you, would you go back? Would you trade that? Are you serious? It's like a hundred times, you know? Uh, other times it's like it's a character development thing. You know, in life out there, we often think of rewards as extrinsic to our situation. I think it's one of the reasons that we kind of rebel against the idea spiritually. Like, we, like for example, if you're the top salesman in your company, and your reward is they, they give you a trip to Hawaii with your family, there's no logical connection between what you did selling and a trip to Hawaii. It's just kind of arbitrary. They could have given you a trip to Europe. They could have given you a corner office. They could have given you a promotion and a raise. They could have given you time off. They could have, there's really no connection. It's just saying, Thank you for doing a great job. We want to reward you. But in the spiritual realm, there is often an intrinsic natural connection between doing the right thing and the reward that comes. Like, for example, if you give to the poor, will there be any extrinsic reward? Well, often there is. The book of Proverbs says that he who lends to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him. There are many passages in the Bible that say that when we give as God leads generously, that God will give back financially. Many, many passages. Not always one-to-one ratio. It's not like a name it, claim it thing, but, but there's often that, that pattern of blessing. And so sometimes God does. We give generously. God blesses us. That's an extrinsic, that's extrinsic reward. But here's an intrinsic reward. When you give to the poor, it changes you. When you give to the poor for the right reason, it creates a heart of sensitivity. It it. it it creates a heart of compassion. It frees you from idolatry of stuff. You find a new freedom in your life. You find a new ability to trust God to meet your needs. There's all kinds of things that happen that are intrinsic rewards of getting the poor. When you pray, and often God answers more prayers, that's an extrinsic reward. But often when you pray, there's also intrinsic reward. You find that when you make prayer a regular part of your life, I can guarantee you, you will feel more centered in your life. 
I guarantee you, your life will become more intentional. You will begin pursuing the right things, not the wrong things. There comes a centeredness in your life when we spend time with God. Right? That's an intrinsic reward. So often in spiritual matters, there is a natural reward that comes tied to the very thing. But, but whether it's extrinsic or intrinsic, I think both are involved. That, that Jesus is big. He says, that, trust me, that when you leave what I ask you to leave, it's going to pay off big time. 101 odds. Like, like, and, and this is not the only time Jesus teaches. Like one of my favorite Jesus stories. Uh, he says, once upon a time, there's a man. He's walking through a field. This is a story that's told in Matthew 13. We'll be looking at another story near it for our life group study this week. But in, in Matthew, he says, once upon a time, there was, there was a man walking through a field. Now, you need to understand that in ancient times, there weren't a lot of banks. And so when you had a lot of stuff, you don't just put it in your house and get robbed. So one of the things you would often do is you'd, you'd hide it in a field, just like a pirate. You know, X marks a spot. And so it's, it's safe there. No one knows it's there. Of course, if you die or if you go to battle and you never come home or something happens, then that, that treasure's going to be there. No one's going to know. So, so he says, you know, once upon a time, there's a guy who's walking through a field, and he just kind of trips over something, or he catches a glint of gold in his eyes, whatever, and he, he sees that there's something there, and he reaches down, and he realizes it's a treasure. This something has begun to work its way up through the soil. And, and so this guy, it doesn't take him very long to dig in. He's like, wow, this is a load. Like, this is amazing, right? So Jesus says, what's he do? He says, well, he's going to cover it up, make it look like that, and he's going to go find out his real estate agent and say, hey, do you happen to know who owns that field over there? And it's like, yeah, it's, it's Joe Blow. You don't think he's willing to sign? I don't really know. It's like, well, you call him up, and you're going to say, hey, hey, Joe, I, just, you know, I was walking through your land. It's kind of a nice piece of property. Say, hey, have you ever thought of selling that? Well, not really. It's not really for sale. Yeah, well, if, if you did sell it, like, what would you sell it for? Well, I'd sell, you know, probably sell it for this much. It's probably, you know, I don't really want to sell it, but I'd sell it for this much. Well, if I got that much, I really like that field. Something about that field, just speaking to me. So if, if, I, if I did that, Joe, uh, could, could we agree on a price to it? Well, yeah, if you're willing to pay this, okay, okay, great. Well, I'll see what I can do. And you go out and you start calling every relative. You're going home, you're selling all your stuff. You sell your house. You sell every, you liquidate. You're beg borrowing and steal. Why? Because it's going to pay off at 100 to 1 odds. And so you come back and you, you now you've, you've, it's cost you everything to buy the field. Are you, are you upset about that? Are you sad about that? No, you're elated. Are you kidding? You just, you just won the lottery. You just discovered the winning, you know, lotto ticket. It's $18 billion, whatever thing is. And so this is how Jesus puts it. They're on your note sheet. This is how he puts it. He says, the kingdom of heaven, and, and remember, the kingdom of heaven, heaven, kingdom of heaven is how Matthew describes the kingdom of God, because Jews typically wouldn't just say God or whatever. They would say like, things like heaven or heavenly. So they'd use some other, uh, other name out of respect for the name of God. So this is the kingdom of God. And, of course, this is what the young, rich young ruler was after, right? He wanted to be part of the kingdom of God. He wanted eternal life. He says the kingdom of heaven, it's like, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his what? Joy. Circle it. His joy. He's elated. He goes and he sells, catches all he had. And he bought that field. And so what Jesus says is, like, what's the kingdom about? He says, 
He says, entering my kingdom is like this. It's like when you get a glimpse of what it's worth, you're willing to pay whatever it costs because it's going to pay off at 101 odds. And, and you don't leave those things like, oh, I've got to give this up. You're like happy to give them up because of what you're getting. This is like a 100 to 1 trade-off here. The, the, the cost-reward equation's huge in your favor. See, this is what the rich young ruler missed. What he saw, his, his vision was so focused on everything he had that he had to give up that he missed what he was going to gain. Okay, so this leads then to a couple questions for us, and they're in the back of your note sheet. There's a section called The Big Question, What's in it for me? And of course, this was Peter's question, what's in it for us? And so let's bring it home now, what's in it for us, what's in it for me? Uh, and I want to break this question down into two questions. And so uh, l- let's set this up. So, so where we been? We've studied the teaching of Jesus. We've seen that Jesus says that when you follow me, there'll be times that I, I need to ask you to leave something. But I promise that you will always receive something. There'll be a trade-off. And that trade-off is going to be 101 odds. Okay, so that leads to our lives. And so here's, here's question number one. Number one, is there anything that he's asking you to leave? So as we sit here today, the question is, is there anything that he's asking you at this point in your life that Jesus is asking you to leave? And, and we'll talk about this more in a minute. But the answer may be yes, maybe no, maybe maybe. We'll come back to that. But what I want you to catch is that if we're going to follow Jesus, I guarantee you there will be times when he asks you to leave something. So there's some of us here that you've not yet given your life to Christ. And chances are, when you get ready to give your life to Christ, there's going to be something he asks you to leave. It's usually going to be something negative, destructive, evil, but chances are, Usually, he's going to ask you to leave, okay? But what I want you to catch is, even after we come to Jesus, periodically, there's going to be times in our life he comes and asks us to leave something. Now, it could be something bad. Like, for example, uh, let's say that you're a guy, and you've had an anger problem, right? And your wife has been telling you for 10 years. And you've been telling her, I don't have an anger problem. I have a high-maintenance wife. Okay? So... The problem is I wasn't angry until I married you. Right? So, so the problem is not me. The problem is actually you. Right? And Jesus is going to come. He's going to say, you know what? That is a lie. The problem is you. And you need to leave that anger. You need to stop defending that anger. Or maybe he's going to come to a wife. And, and the husband's been telling the wife, you have a shopping problem. And the wife says, no, I don't have a shopping problem. You have a making problem. If you made more, uh, we wouldn't have a shopping problem. And so Jesus comes and says, sits he down. He says, no, you have a shopping problem. You have a contentment problem. You have a joy problem that, that you're trying to fill your life with stuff because there's emptiness inside of you. And you can't buy that away. And I want to change your life. And I want to, I mean, you have to leave this. You have to leave this 
in order for me to fill you. hundred times. And so, so throughout a lot, there's times where you, you might come, it might be a hobby. It might be a, a financial situation. It might say, like to the rich young ruler, maybe it's not sell everything, but he's going to say, I want you to decrease your standard of living so you can increase your standard of giving in my kingdom. There's a leaving, you see. So it could be, it could be a relational issue. It could be that Jesus is going to come to you and say, listen, you've been walking with me five years now, and I've talked about this before, but this is getting serious. You need to leave some of those old relationships. A companion of fool suffers harm, but a companion of the wise will become wise. And, and I need you to leave. I know it's hard, these old friends, but I need you to leave that, and I'll, I'll pay you back. I'll, you'll have new friends a hundred times. But you have to leave the old to trust me for the new. So, so it, could be, it could be attitudes, it could be actions, it could be hobbies, it could be finances. It could be anything. But it's something that's getting in the way of your growth or your effectiveness. And what I want you to catch is that there will come those times. And so what I'm asking today is today as we sit here, are those an issue in your life now? And for some of us in this room, I'm sure the answer is yes. I had an email from a lady last night after service said, thanks for the message. God spoke to me. This is what it is. It's my yes. You know? For some of you, you're like, drat, I came to church today. Gosh. Why did I come last week? Um, you know, because it's like God's been talking to you about something for two months or two years. And you know what the yes is. You, there is this thing, and you're saying no, and, and, and you know what it is. For some of you, uh, you came in today thinking there was no yes, but as you're sitting here, the Holy Spirit's speaking. Like, you do understand this, that when we come together like this, this is a supernatural event. You do understand that, don't you? That we're here. We're followers of Jesus. We're gathered in his name. We're under the authority of his word of King Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here. And that's why so many times you walk out saying, I feel like whoever is teaching was talking to me. Because he is talking to you. It's not, not me talking to you. It's not Dave. It's not Dre. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. And so when we gather, we don't want to take this lightly. What's happening here is a miracle. It happens every week. We gather as the body and family of Jesus we to listen to Jesus speak. And for some of you, when you came in, even today, as we came in, you had no idea that God was going to speak to you. But today, God is speaking to you. He's asking you to leave your old life behind and give your life to Christ for the first time. That as I've been talking, there's been an attitude, an action, a hobby he's highlighted. And for you today, you know exactly, yes, there's something he's asking me to leave. And you know what it is. For others of us here, the answer is no. And in a healthy church, there should be a lot of no's. No's not a, good, not, no's not a bad thing. Uh, that, that throughout our life, Jesus will ask us to leave certain things. It's not like every day. Every day he asks us to die to our flesh. Every day he asks us to do what's right. But I mean, there's, there's like major things that we're shifting or changing. That doesn't happen every day. It only happens on key days. 
And so if you've been walking with Jesus, chances are that you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I think we're good. I, I'm before the Lord. I've asked him to reveal my heart. I've been obedient to what he's shown me and he's just kind of affirming I'm in the right spot. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's how it usually should be. And then for some of us here in the room, you're in the maybe zone. And the maybe zone looks like this, that I think he might be talking to me about something. I'm not sure. And so you have a choice. You can either move towards it or move away from it. Moving towards it, say, Jesus, I'm not really sure. It's a couple things on the outskirts. I don't know if it's my overactive conscience. I don't know if it's my mother-in-law. I don't know if it's like what it is that's causing me to think about I've got this thought here, and it's, it's been there, and it's been there. It's come, in, come back a few times. I'm just wondering, is that from you? Is there anything in my life that you're trying to say to me, that, that you want me to leave something, something to leave that, so I can receive 100 times, and you're trying to bless me with that? Is, is there anything? Okay? So the first question is, is there anything that he's asking you to leave? Here's the second question, and this is the, this is the money question. This is what the whole message has been leading up to. If you were to compare the message today to a funnel, we start off here at the top, teaching of Jesus, we kind of come on down the principles of the teaching, and then we come on down to our lives, and this is the, this is the pay dirt right here, this is the question. Here's the question. The question is, when it comes to this whole issue of, is he asking you to leave something, the question is, do you believe it's worth it? It's a profound question. If you only take one thing with you today, this is what I want you to take. Here's what I want you to catch. Whenever Jesus asks us to leave something, we always, take it to the bank, always, we always perform a cost-reward analysis in our brains. If Jesus asks you to leave that relationship, you instantly begin going, how much does that cost and what do I get? If Jesus starts talking about your anger issue, how much does that cost, how much, what's I going to get? Financial, how much does it cost, how much does it get? As human beings, it's the way we're wired. It's impossible. We all do this. We do it all day long. Cost, reward, analysis. And we do it spiritually too. And so here's what I want you to catch. What Jesus is helping us to understand is that whenever we say yes to Jesus, the reason is because we think it's worth it. And whenever we say no to Jesus, it's always, 100% of the time, because deep in our heart, we don't think it's worth it. And it doesn't get much simpler than that, right? And so you think of this rich young ruler. This is exactly what happened. He comes to Jesus, loves Jesus, taking with Jesus, falls at his feet before Jesus. He's been pursuing God his whole life, going to synagogue, learning Torah, obeying the commandments. He's hungry for more, senses he needs something, senses something missing in his life, senses Jesus has it. And so he comes and he says, Jesus, what will it take to be part of your kingdom? What will it take to be, receive eternal life? And Jesus says, okay, for you, here's what it is. 
uh, you need to liquidate. And instantly, that young man performed a cost-reward analysis. And in his mind, it was not worth it. And so, he walked away. But what I want you to catch is we all do this. Every time there's an issue of obedience, of leaving, we always do analysis. Well, if I leave, what will I receive? And if we believe Jesus is telling the truth and he's 101 odds, we will do it. And if we don't believe he's telling the truth or knows what he's talking about or is smarter than us, we won't. And it's as simple as that. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word and how it brings clarity to our lives. God, it's so easy to fool ourselves, like this rich, young Jewish man who just, I'm sure if you asked him, would have said he just so much loves you and you're his top God and there's no idols in his life and just so hungry to meet Jesus and to listen to Jesus and take his advice and then he found out the truth about himself. And the truth about himself was he didn't think it was worth it. He didn't think eternal life was worth the cost. And Lord, you have a way of revealing truth about ourselves. And so, Lord, we thank you for this clarity. We thank you that we can't hide behind rationalizations of why we won't leave when you ask us. We just don't understand, or we're not sure it's right, or blah, blah, blah. That When it gets right down to it, it's just more, so much more simple. Help us to embrace that simplicity that it might lead to life. And God, I just pray for us right now, that, that for many of us here in this room right now, there is something we know you're asking us to leave, and it's a battle, because in our heart of hearts, we're not sure you are smarter. In our heart of hearts, we don't know if you really trust you. We don't really think life will be better if we obey you. We think that life will be better if we hold on. And so we hold on. We hold on to our idols. Like we talked about last week. And so, Lord, what we need is we need the gift of faith. We need a gift of courage. We need you to speak into our life. We need you to look into our eyes and remind us how much you love us and how smart you are. We need you to remind us of the promise of the 101 payoff. And we need you to strengthen our faith. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. And so we pray that all over this auditorium, we pray that right now for those of us who are really struggling with an issue of letting go, that you would grant us the faith to trust in you, that we would not walk away sad, but we would say yes, we would come with open hands, like Dave talked about last week, open hands. And we would say, Lord, here is this thing that you've asked for. And we trust that as you as we leave it, that what we will receive will be a hundred times and we will be like the man with joy buying the field. Help us to trust you, God, and help us to be radically honest, to stop playing games that when we disobey, we can lie to ourselves that we really do trust you and that's not really it. And we really do love you and that's not it. And help us to embrace the truth that when we don't obey you, it's because we don't trust you and we think we're smarter. And so, Lord, we, we pray you'd help us to live with that reality. 
so that we can be set free from the dark side, so we can begin to live the 100 to 1 odds life you died to give us. Thank you, you said that when you came, you gave us life and life to the full, 100 to 1. Help us to release that, to trust you. And so, Lord, now as we, we come to worship, as we bring you our offerings, we pray that you would meet us. And as we sing this song, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. We pray that that's exactly what had happened, this holy moment as the church of Jesus gathered in this place under the authority of King Jesus, under the leadership of his spirit, under the teaching of his word. We pray that you would come as we give you our hearts. We pray you'd shape them and heal them and restore them and fill us with faith that we could say yes to you. So Lord, our prayer is speak what is true. In Christ's name. Lord, here's our heart. Speak what is true. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I just want you to hear the words of Jesus to you personally. That he has come to give you life. That he loves you like he loved that young man. And that his desire is to give you a life that pays off a hundred to one odds. But it's only possible when we come to him with open hands and we leave the things he asks and we say yes to what he asks us and that we can receive a hundred times and so I want you today to know his deep love for you and to know that whatever he asks you to leave it's always and only so that you can receive that he's passionate about you and so Lord today as we come before you as your church the church at Rocky Peak God, we acknowledge your lordship. We acknowledge you as king of this church. We acknowledge that you are worth it. We acknowledge you have rescued us from the dark side. We acknowledge you have saved us from our sin. And the the condemnation was over our head. And we acknowledge your love. And we pray you'd pour out a new level of faith on our lives that we could trust you, even when you ask us the hardest things, knowing that you never ask us to leave except that we might receive, and not just receive, but a hundredfold. And so, God, we pray you'd grant us that faith to trust, and we pray that you'd you'd give us that grace to leave that we might receive. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you can be with us next week as we continue this journey. Uh, Twice in this series, Jesus has told us that he's going to be arrested and executed, but he's not told us why. If you're reading the Gospel of Mark for the first time, if you've never heard the story, you wouldn't know why. Why is this Christ, this King that's come, has to die? He said that he has to die. He hasn't told us why. Next week for the first time, he'll tell us why. He's going to introduce a word that's a powerful world, word. It was a powerful world, uh, word in the ancient world, much more so than our day. And it's the word ransom. And next week we're going to learn about the ransom that he's paid and why that's important for us, but also how it calls us to live a life of ransom for others. And so I hope you can be with us as we join together and continue this journey of following Jesus as a church, a church that's passionately, increasingly caught up with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, don't forget, after the service, uh, 
don't forget that there is uh, the prayer corner back here at the back. If you need prayer for anything, head on back there. Don't forget tonight we're doing the movement course. For those of you who are brand new at Rocky Peak, no better way than for you to come and just see if it's the right place for you. We do have child care available for that, and so 6 o'clock for that. Until next week, uh, may the Lord be with you. May his grace be thick over your life. May he convince you in new ways of his deep love for you, for you. May you grow in your faith, being quicker to leave that you might receive. And may he bring us back next week, ready to grow, ready to follow, and ready to thrive. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next weekend.